0: We open this morning to Mark chapter 9. And before we jump in there, I want to just give a a praise to the Lord for this week. Uh, Amy McMahon had her baby a month early, right? Pretty much on the dot a month early or so. And anyway... uh, that was, a, that was a scary moment for Tim and his family. And uh, she uh, had to have an emergency C section, but God was good and gracious. And, right? Amen. And, and are we sharing the name? Mercy, Grace. Mercy, Grace. Yeah. That's, and, and I'll tell you from, from visiting them, the reason they decided on that one is because what they felt last week was what? Mercy and grace of the Lord looking out for them and uh man praise God praise God when you're facing in those kind of situations you just recognize in your humanity you don't you don't deserve that outcome and uh and I, I that was Tim's heart I know in in talking to with him and so he saw the Lord's mercy in that praise God continue to pray for Amy to heal and uh and lift up the others who are currently with child and who might be and don't know it, right? All right. Okay, we're into Mark chapter 9. And we'll be in verses 1 through 13. If you're taking notes, you can see it there on the back of your bulletin. Gospel encourages. Uh, this is section in Mark is known as the transfiguration Allow me to read it for us, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 9. Then Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God come in power. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves to be alone. He was transfigured in front of them, and his clothes became dazzling, extremely white, as no launderer on earth could whiten them. Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Can you imagine? And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Uh, Let us us set up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And I read it like that because it says they didn't know what to say, right? That's what it says in verse 6. Since they were terrified, a cloud appeared overshadowing them, And a voice came from the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one what they had seen until the son of man had risen from the dead. And they kept this word to themselves, questioning what rising from the dead meant. Then they asked him, why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Elijah does come first and restores all things, he replied. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did whatever they pleased to him, just as it is written about him. First, I want to open with some talk about encouragement, all right? Because when I read on this and I reflect on this, I was encouraged. So there's some things in here, specifically even that last little section, that I'm just not going to unpack this morning. There won't be time to. Uh, But we'll get into it a little bit, all right? But when I reflect on this passage, I am saying this the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ is encouraging. You know, think about it just generally. Think about that need for encouragement in your own life, in other people's lives. Are you thinking about it? Okay, there are many ways to encourage, right? Okay, look on the bright side. How about that? Things will get better. You ever heard that one, right? You've given that one. Hey, look on the bright side. Things will get better. Or this one. It's a word of encouragement. If you keep, up, if you keep working hard, it will pay off. So don't grow weary. weary. You can do it. That kind of thing. Right? See, things can be tremendously helpful. These these statements can be can be helpful. And they are often true, right? But not always. Not always, but often. Then there's an encouragement that confronts false beliefs, okay? Like, I'm anxious because my children are out on the water in a boat and a a violent storm is coming in, right? But then someone comes and informs me that they're, in fact, not out in the violent storm, but they are safe at shore, right? So there is an encouragement that confronts false beliefs. And when, think of it, when you learn the truth, the reality that points beyond your anxiety serves as an immediate remedy. See that? The promise of God. The prom- many of the promises of God are known for ushering in these types of encouragements. A reality that points beyond my anxiety and serves as my remedy. Right? I want to go a step further, though. There is an encouragement, an, an unwavering, uncompromising, we could even say efficacious, that is always effective, always worthwhile, there is an encouragement... That can't miss. Can you imagine that? An encouragement that can't miss. Like when it's coming out, it can't miss you, right? Because we know encouragements that miss. You with me? Right? Right. The the things will get the statement, things will get better, right? That can miss, right? Because you're like hearing that and you're going, well, they haven't. Okay. Or the, the statement, hey, look on the bright side, things aren't that bad. Right, but you've been on the receiving end of that, and you're like, yeah, they don't understand because they are that bad, right? And they in fact are. But there, but here again, there is an encouragement that is effectual, even in the face of that. What I mean is that it's always successful in producing its intended result. We could even say it this way: an encouragement that is potent, right? A, a, a potent encouragement that never loses its ability to strengthen the recipient and buoy the soul. Can you imagine that? That's what I want. But this encouragement, here's the deal, here's the kicker. This encouragement requires faith. That's it. That's not a work, though, folks. That's, that's not like you got to muster up faith. Okay? We, we, Mike hit on that last week a little bit. It requires faith, though, to have its effect. Right? This encouragement is it comes from the gospel. This encouragement that we're talking about this morning is housed and birthed in the kingdom of God. It's given to us, right? In the person of Christ. This encouragement is not subject to the restraints and trouble of your current circumstance. The encouragement of the gospel is the power of God. You hear that? It is the power. The gospel is the power of God. Nothing else is to be spoken of in the scriptures as the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. Therefore, it has the ability to effectively penetrate even the greatest discouragement that you might be bringing in here this morning. Right? This, the power of God, the gospel has the ability to effectively penetrate even the greatest discouragement that you're going to be subject to in this life if you haven't already. Because it's easy probably for some of you to say, man, things are going pretty well right now. But I'm telling you, like they will come. Sadly, even those of us who have experienced the work of Jesus sustaining us, we can be too quick to lose sight of this and display a faithlessness when we get fixated, here's how we do it. When we get fixated on preserving uh, this life here, that is faithlessness. When the power and glory of God seems trite to us, there is a faithlessness in that. We're missing something, you see. And so there's a lot of background. Like, this is why I couldn't get into some of the, the depths of this passage, because I feel like to even understand some of the intent of this section, we've got to dive into some of these things. Or we, or we miss the whole passage. All right. When the gospel encouragement is like a, like like this pat, this should wow us to see Jesus walking on. We got We're like, whoa. Look at the gospel. Oh my goodness, as we understand it. But when the gospel encouragement is like a Hallmark card to you, right? Just a token or cliche expression of gratitude and love. Or I don't really like. Hallmark movies and cards that much, but I do like sugar cookies, okay? And so how about that? When the gospel encouragement is like a sugar cookie to you, right, what I'm saying there is you're experiencing enjoyment uh, like momentary, right? You experience momentary enjoyment, not long-term sustainment, It gives you that boost, and I can eat eight of them like that. It gives you that boost, but it doesn't last. And the power and the glory of God seems trite to us. There's a problem. When gospel encouragement is like a Hallmark card, just another line of positive sentiment, there's a problem. And the reason there's a problem with that is because it's just it's flat, number one, it's just flat out not true, right? And, and because it not, it's not true, it dishonors the Lord, Right? The other reason is that uh, there's a problem looking at the gospel encourages it, it this way is, is that it's not, it's not what we need. It's not effective, right? It isn't the encouragement that sustains us. On the contrary, enc- hear this, maybe write it down. Encouragement attached to the promises of God, that sustains encouragement attached to the promise of god that sustains that gives life that gives joy that gives hope and in church you know what we need and i need to hear this but but i need to stop being apologetic about that you, you know what i'm saying so it, it's easy to be apolo- you're dealing with somebody in the material world and and man here's the deal we can't fix their problems, and I show up to situations, and I do. I mean, many of us do, right? Your, your heart goes out. You want to fix the, the valley that they're in, right? And, and sometimes even in our counsel, and our like we let the valley that they're in trump the gospel. Right? And that's what I mean by, ma'am, when, when encouragement attached to the promises of God, that gives joy, that gives life, that gives hope no matter what the valley is in. So, I don't want to be apologetic about that, you see? I want to be like, man, I know this, but this, the glory of, I don't want to introduce them to the glory of God as displayed to us and made accessible for us in the gospel. How are you doing this morning? Are you missing out on life that God intends to impart to you by faith through his gospel? Verse two, look there. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up to a mountain to be alone. And Luke is clear, all right, in his account that they went up there to spend some time in prayer. And Luke was also clear that this took place, he says it very specifically, after the conversation. Okay? Right, well, what conversation? Well, what proceeds there uh, in proceeds chapter 9? We can look up to 8, verse 34 and following, and we see that Jesus had just had a conversation with them about their cross. We looked at that conversation a few weeks ago. A willingness to take up the cross is essential to the disciple of Jesus. Denying self, being dead to self, right? We talked about it in the context of the sensitive self. Right? If you're a sensitive self, for just review, let's review a minute. If you're a sensitive self, that means you get easily offended. People are walking on eggshells around you. People can't talk to you at certain times of the day. This is on and on. And that's just an example, right? right. But, but here we're going to say that this is not the character and temperament of the follower of Christ, the sensitive self. That is not the character and temperament of a follower of Christ. A dead self is. So, so we don't make, and so what does that mean then for us? We don't, and this is hard, like we don't make good disciples of Jesus if we're like that, if we're not dead to self. And so getting it dealt with, right, if, if we're not dying to self in a particular area, getting that dealt with today, this morning, right now, before you leave here, is an important thing. But here's the deal, we can't do that without the power of God. Because it's a call, this call to bear the cross that we talked about a few weeks ago. It's a call that goes, what is, it goes against what is natural in you. And if you don't feel that call going against what is natural in you, then you aren't hearing the call. You see what I'm saying? Because if you can walk the Christian faith without the Spirit, without the Word, without Jesus, then you're not walking the faith, man. Right? On we could go. You see, we we want to be people that have had that conversation with Jesus. In fact, I would say we are. We, we've had that conversation, folks, with Jesus there in Mark eight. We we've said, probably ninety-eight percent of us in here have said, take like we've taken up our cross. Have you not? If you're a believer, you're you're saying that. right? You've said what we see there in that passage there in chapter 8 at the end, that that we're not working in this life to save our lives because we believe what Jesus says. We we believe that if we work in this life to to save this life, that that what he says is true. We believe him. We take his word for it because we're a follower of him. And what does he say that that will happen? Well, we'll just lose everything. And we say, man, we, we don't want that right? But if we lose our lives because of Christ, we'll save it. What benefit if you gain the whole world, but you forfeit yourself? I don't want to forfeit that. Why this review, right? Well, because immediately after this conversation, we have the spectacle of the transfiguration, and I think there's a connection. Right, to be a sensitive self, to, to this call, to this is where Jesus is at. This is Mark, okay? This, this uh, gospel, uh, discipleship under pressure. This is Mark. And so, th- this call here to, to not be a sensitive self, to die to self uh, interest, to die to self protection, we need to experience the death the gospel brings. We, we need to know the power the gospel offers. We need eyes for another world. We need access to a brighter glory than the glory of self. And I think here in the transfiguration we see all that, and I think it will encourage us this morning. I hope the Spirit Spirit of God helps us see it. You see, even just think of simple things that you hear and have repeated in your faith walk that you know from maybe growing up at the church or just like a little bit of discipleship. You've heard things like, man... It is only in Christ right, that we can say things like, it is better to serve than to be served. See, I, the natural, I can't actually even say that. But as in Christ, hear this, hear this. In all these things that we confess as Christians, it is in Christ that, that I can say it is, it is better to serve than to be served because in Christ, I know that is the brighter way, that is the most glorious way, right? That is the better glory. Right? But 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 outside of Christ, I can't can't authentically say that in my heart. I I have to say all day long, every day, it's better to to be served. It's better to get mine. Right? It's better to make sure I don't get cheated. That I don't get punked. That I don't get talked back to, sassy-like, or whatever. I don't know. Right? But now I say, man, it's better to serve. That's the brighter, that's the better glory. And so we want to sacrifice and live toward that end, but we don't get there outside of Christ. The transfiguration, I think, helps us see these things. These things, our first point sets over the whole section, taken uh, really from the whole section, and that's this. The gospel encourages because in it we see Jesus' commitment to set up his kingdom. That's what, that's what is displayed here. And we get to be part of that kingdom. Right? That, that's what we're seeing here. Whoa. The gospel encourages because in it we see Jesus' commitment to set up his kingdom and we get to be part of that kingdom. Nine, one, Jesus says to his disciples, look there. He says, truly I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God come in power. Here it is. The kingdom will come in glory and power and the spectacle of the transfiguration is proof to this. And it's in his kindness he wants to give them, the disciples, a glimpse of what he means. right? It's in his kindness that he wants to give them a glimpse of what he is capable of accomplishing. And so there in verse 2 it says, follow there, he led them up on a high mountain by themselves to be alone, and he was transfigured in front of them, verse 3, and his clothes, I don't even know what's going on here, and nobody I read does either. All right? doesn't matter how much school they had. All right? It's like, look at verse 3. And his clothes became dazzling, extremely white, as no launderer on earth could whiten them. Right? Again, not sure exactly what this means or what's happening, but here's what's clear. It's a spectacle. It's otherworldly. That's what's clear. And he's providing the disciples with a glimpse, as we'll point to in a moment, with a glimpse of a world that is beyond this world. He's providing the disciples with the glimpse of a life beyond this life, uh, an existence unseen. Yeah, that, that is encouraging. I hope that as we even walk through this, that this is not all there is. Can you say praise Jesus or amen? amen. Or both, yeah? All right. right? The, the, the disciples saw that there is something about the future in this moment. There is an existence unseen. And and their questions reveal there was an anticipation for this. As they said, remember, it's kind of awkwardly said, let us build some shelters here. Uh, Why? uh, It's like they're saying, let us memorialize this event. Why? Well, because they're saying, the kingdom is upon us. Oh my goodness, what is happening? You have heard it said that, I'm sure some of you have heard it It said that there is an already not yet understanding of the kingdom of God. We see that in chapter 1 of Mark, verse 14 and 15. We talked about it where it says there that Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And what did he say? What was Jesus saying there? He said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God was there where? When he's talking like that. Well, standing in front of them, right? You see this? Stand, the kingdom of God standing in front of them in the person of Christ. And today, Jesus uses his church to establish, that's us, guys, to establish his kingdom. Today, Jesus uses his church to promote his kingdom purposes and agenda. That's us. How is he doing? How are we doing? Right? And so in that sense, through because of the church, the kingdom of God is upon us. The kingdom of God is is here, but it is not yet. You see this? He he established it, but there is more. He is coming again. All right? Think of it. As lightning strikes from the east and as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. See, he's coming again. His promises, he tells us. Revelation 22 7, I believe that he's coming quickly. No one knows when he will come, but we can count on it, he tells us. His word and the benefit of the evidence of his first coming prove it. There at the cross, we see it. There at the cross, Jesus established us as a kingdom of priests, right? Hear that, church? He established us as a kingdom of pre- His. The kingdom is upon us. It's supposed to be ushering the kingdom through us. Do, do we look like that, man? You med- Just write that down. Meditate on that, and like me, I, man. We'll just you'll be in a constant place of repentance and faith, right? Being convicted there, which is a good thing, right? We can count on Him. Right? The evidence of his first coming proves that he's coming again. Right? He's not like me in my house projects. I know you hear me talk about that. But it's but it's true. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't start a work and move on. Right? And on and on. His love and redemptive hand aren't done with you. Right? He tried to promise he's gonna finish the work that he started. And the disciples here that he's speaking with, they needed this visual. They were getting ready to travel down some difficult terrain in life. And they needed to know that in these times, his redemptive hand, right, wasn't done with them, right? In those hard times, they needed to know man, he is at work. He is at work. He is doing some things. Does anybody need to hear that this morning? Does anybody need to hear that this morning? I I pray that that the Holy Spirit will not, if you are born again, I pray that the Holy Spirit will not allow this to hit you as trite. He loves us and He has set us free from our sins by His blood and made us a kingdom of priests. Be encouraged. As you face the sufferings, defeats, and trials that come, be encouraged. Revelation 1 7 tells us, He is coming. He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see Him, even those who pierced Him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over Him. Wow, right? His work, His work, church. Let me proclaim it here this morning. His work already accomplished on the cross, and that work has conquered this kingdom, and he is now in the business of establishing his. It's happening, okay? Let's start over. It's happened, okay? It's happening, and he's coming. Church, be encouraged in what he can and what he wants to do now with us, with you, Be encouraged that, he tells us, the gates of hell will not prevail. Be encouraged to pray for revival. I think we are too quick to sulk and participate in culture and life and society from a place of poor us. You know what I'm talking about? And and instead of participating in our culture, in our neighborhoods, in our life, in our society, instead of participating from a place of victory in Jesus. You know, we get so saturated with media, whatever media outlet that is, and, and we start to just turn inward, and we're like you know, the wounded uh, little puppy dog just kind of limping around like, oh. Look at all the bad things that are happening. Like We've got the power of God. And we are sent here to be an embassy for people to heaven. Okay? We can't be walking around pouting about things. We've got to proclaim victory in Jesus and use his kingdom agenda and purposes to bring the transformation that is needed in this life. Point two, we're never going to get out of (laughs) here. Point two, here in the transfiguration, we are encouraged that death will be conquered. Yeah, amen. I mean, just, just, just pause. Just pause. Death will be conquered. This is... Part of the good news. And no small part. Victory. Right? <laughs> Seen rather vividly. The gospel encourages. Like, I get, I hate to lose. I don't like to. I don't feel like I'm a sore loser. But I think my brother, eight years older, taught me that. Because like, then he wouldn't play with me if I acted like a baby. All right? But I'll just come back for more. You know? And he... He'd never let me win. He just smashed me every time, you know, whatever it was. I just wanted, I wanted to win. I just keep coming at it. The gospel encourages you know what? You, in Jesus, you don't lose, right? Because the gospel has conquered death. We have talked about here in Mark that the gospel shows up in person, right? And who's that person? Jesus. See, we could say the gospel's conquered death. Jesus has conquered death. Jesus is telling these guys, both in verse 4 and 9, that he's going to conquer death. Look at verse 4. Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Okay, Jesus is going to conquer death, and that's where I'm seeing this, right? You say, well, how? Well, well exhibit 1 and exhibit 2, right? Exhibit 1 is Elijah, Exhibit 2, is Moses. If you're familiar with the Bible, you know that these guys have not been seen for hundreds of years. Now, there's different theories about, in particular, Moses. He is lumped with some of the, what is known as the deathless ones, meaning they they're, didn't mention where he... Uh, where he died necessarily. He didn't talk about that. We don't know where he was buried. So it's possible, right, that like Elijah and Enoch, Moses is even one of these deathless ones. But I would say uh, and it, it's also possible that, that Moses died a natural death, whereas we know for sure Elijah was raptured into heaven in a whirlwind. But here, here's the point, all right? And that's actually really exciting to talk about that some more. But, but here's the point they are very much alive and present with him now. Like, like, like really, right? Like, both cases, let's say, let's say that they never actually experienced a natural death. None of them. We know Elijah didn't, but let's say Moses didn't either. It, here's the point. that They existed hundreds and hundreds of years ago. How on earth are they there with Jesus? Okay, the question still remains. It's otherworldly. It's not normal. The power of God and his gospel on display... Moses likely died, is now still alive, though. Right? We could think, man, this guy was buried, put in the ground, but now he stands right in front of them. And we are encouraged. Think of it for a second. We should be, as we think about the fact that we hear it, and let your mind go there. Don't block it out. We will die, you will die. Right? That's not the encouraging part. But, but you got to think about that to get to the encouraging part. You've got you to be aware of that to get to the, Right, I don't want to die. I, I used to sometimes get nervous about my heart, like stop beating or something. I don't want my heart to stop beating. I don't want to take my last breath. I don't want to die. I don't want to leave my wife. I don't want my wife to leave me. Right? And I'm talking to death. right? My kids, I don't want them to die. I don't want you to die. right? I don't want to bury any of you. I actually pray about that. Now, I don't know how he's going to answer that, except by coming back. But I don't like burying. Alright? You say, well, there's. This. I'm just telling you where I'm at. Alright? And I, I think about that when I think about it. When I think about losing some of you to death, it's sad to me. Well, I love our partnership together. And I just want to keep marching forward, right? right? Death is not encouraging. But what is encouraging is that when Jesus returns, he is going to resurrect my dead body. <laughs> Amen. Right? And, my, and you know what? When he does return, guess what? Hear this, children. He, he is going, if, if my children know Jesus and have put their faith in Jesus, he is going to resurrect my, my children's dead bodies. He is going to resurrect those who have given their life to follow him. He will resurrect their body. And we will be standing with him in glory. We, like Moses, like those disciples, will be standing on a mountain talking with Jesus. And that's really all that matters, folks. That's really all that matters. That's where I want to be, man. Right? But it wasn't just the evidence of Moses standing in front of them uh, that there's a resurrection. He told them in verse 9 of this passage. Look there. When he asked them as they were coming down the mountain and he ordered them uh, to tell no one. What they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead, he said. Now at that time, they weren't sure what this meant. Now they came to know it. And we know it, praise God. We know it, right? We know. But he says it here that Jesus would suffer and die. And the victory, the triumph would come by way of a loss. It would come by way of a cross. As disciples, our victory also comes by way of a cross. Do we understand that? But this cross, you see, here's the encouragement. This cross, we've got to get both. This cross that killed Jesus brings about our resurrection. Right? Jesus' resurrection, you could say, guarantees our resurrection. It guarantees our victory. From this moment on the mountaintop there, those disciples, they would descend with Jesus into some very difficult and trying and troubling times. But may the gospel of the resurrection give you joy to carry on. You see, in this life, church, you know, you've experienced that, and even in following Christ, you will go up and down the mountains in this life. But when we fix our eyes on Christ, we can go up and down those mountains with joy because it all ends on the mountaintop with Jesus, you see. So whether you're at the bottom of the mountain or at the top, you can know the joy in either place. That's only in the gospel. That is only in the gospel. Don't be uninformed about this. There is a very clear command. Do not be uninformed about this about this resurrection. Church, do not be uninformed about this power, his power over death. Right? Instead, let this power over death, let this truth of the resurrection, let this promise of his second coming saturate your heart. Because if you are uninformed, you will not be encouraged in this life. If you are uninformed, you will not be encouraged in this life. In everything, Let this run your business, your home. And you think about this idea of the resurrection. Unless you're just really good at lying to yourself and pretending there is no death or that death is going to be this sweet thing or that you're telling yourself, well, I'm just going to die in my sleep and that'll be more peaceful. And Listen, I, I get it, but, but just try to hear what I'm saying. I've carried dead bodies out of the house where people have died in their sleep and it's not a sweet thing and unless you're just really good at convincing yourself of the lie that nothing bad is going to happen to you and you you just live in that fairy tale and you feel that you have insulated yourself so well from whatever unless you're just uh, choosing to believe the falsehood that all the securities you have in place to protect you and yours right choosing these things and 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 going down that sort of delusional road choosing not to deal with reality right that that we don't understand how short our lives really are choosing not to deal with that reality doing so you are existing as a happy helium balloon at a birthday party and, and all it's going to take hear it And all it's going to take is some little needle-type experience or or little needle-type circumstance to blow up your world and everything just come crashing down. Don't be uninformed about how the gospel equips you to face death because that will sustain you in everything else. What a big deal. To the church in Thessalonica Paul says this we're taking this from there chapter 4 we do not want you to be uninformed brothers and sisters concerning those loved ones who are asleep so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again is that saturating your heart oh don't let it be trite If you believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again, man, just just don't let that just run away from you, one in here and out the other. You've heard it too many times, man. Ask yourself the question if we just pause there, is that truth saturating your heart? He says, So if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For we say this to you by a word from the Lord. We who are still alive at the Lord's coming, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from the heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God. And the here, listen to this. I love this. Who gets to rise first? Who gets to rise with Christ first? And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then... We who are still alive, we who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always, we will always be with the Lord. Therefore it says it at the end, and this is why we're talking about therefore encourage one another with these words These words church in all things in all circumstances in the deepest valleys These words are the the best reality the best practical words that you can hear when you are there in the valley Let us receive it Let us receive it these words are supposed to encourage us no matter no matter What's going on? How can they not? (gasps) How can they not? Are you kidding me? Jesus is going to resurrect my dead body. Caleb? Really? Yes, and amen, right? That's amazing. That's what you get for sitting in the front. (laughs) Brings us to our third point. The fact that he can conquer my death. Right There he's, he's standing there with Moses and Elijah, his clothes are dazzling, extremely white, a white you've never seen. It's clear in this moment that this man Jesus is from, hear this, hear me on this, he's from somewhere else. That's how they're seeing it. He defies the laws of nature with his miracles and now with the company he is keeping and they see it with his very person being transfigured as the text says. It's closed, talking about that, and, and there he is glowing in front of them this Jesus that was there okay on this earth just walking around and ministering with these guys he is what it's clear to them in this moment is okay he is from somewhere else what is going on another world another dimension and in this moment they're seeing beyond he is not just a man he is not just a man they're seeing that he is the say it man god They're seeing that he is the man God. He is, what does this mean? He is divine. Thank you. Thank you. Because the last thing we needed was another dude that was just a man. We needed a man God. And in fact, in seeing him, what do we see? What were they seeing? In seeing the man God, we are seeing beyond. We are seeing beyond. And the transfiguration reveals, even in Jesus' earthly ministry, what we see is that Jesus is divine. He's from somewhere else. He's divine, has total control and authority over this place. This world is under his lordship, whether they recognize it or not. This, in church, we need to remind them, we need to go boldly out into this world, proclaiming his name, re- recognizing that everybody's hostility against us has to first be, you know, f- it has to go through, uh, they got to get permission from God, you see? And, and so we can, we can then approach the work that Christ has in front of us with boldness, knowing that he has total authority and the world and everyone is under his lordship, whether they recognize it or not. That is why there at the end of verse 6, it tells these guys, it tells us that these guys, look there, it says it, it says it. Because it, it's kind of confusing, that, that question there, or, the, or not question, but their idea to build these shelters or whatever. And then it says they were terrified. But just understand, we can, we can understand that, right? You ever been scared before? Okay? You ever been terrified? Yes, you have. They were, ter- what they were saying, it's clearly that it was a spectacle, but not a spectacle like, we'll see tonight, it's like, oh, ooh, ah. It was like, I mean, they're, I don't know, wetting their pants scared probably, right? Some of us have those kind of reactions, all right, when we're terrified. I know some, right? But, but why? Why are they terrified? Because they are experiencing His divine nature, Right? They were terrified. These guys aren't wimps, y'all. Come on. They're terrified because what they were seeing was beyond this world, is beyond their world. Okay? This is the encouragement. Jesus gives us vision beyond this world. Jesus gives us vision beyond this world. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus gives us vision beyond this world. I need that kind of vision. This is what the gospel does. It tells us that, praise God, it tells us this world is not all there is. Hey, we'll have some triumphs, church. we've had some, amen? We'll have some triumphs, but we will have some defeats. But an ultimate, and the defeats will be hard. Some of you experienced some hard defeats, harsh defeats, uh, earth-shattering defeats. But an ultimate and final triumph awaits you if you put your faith in Christ. The gospel gives us vision to see beyond and invites us to live with a life vision that reflects what we can now see because of the work of Christ. That's a little wordy. Let me unpack it just a tad. We can seek first the kingdom of God. You know that one. We can seek first the kingdom of God Because we see it is the better kingdom. And we can only see that it is the better kingdom because we got to look at the cross and we believed that Jesus is enough. We got to look at the cross and we looked at the cross, we put our faith in Christ and we see what he has done for us, right? And then we're like, man, he has brought about the better kingdom. And then we can seek first that kingdom. And we can pray things like, your kingdom comes. I don't want my kingdom. We can really pray the Lord's Prayer. Can you? Can you, church? I, and, and to the degree I want my kingdom, God, I know it is, it is sheer foolishness. I want your kingdom. Will you help me? Want your kingdom more than my kingdom. And finally, our fourth point. Gospel encourage us because in it, Jesus makes the glory of God accessible. Jesus Makes the glory of God accessible. Amen. Verse 2 and 3. Jesus took Peter, James, and John, led them up on the mountain. Now remember, and we read Exodus 24. Remember when Moses was up on the mountain there at Mount Sinai. And Elijah also met with God on Mount Sinai. Right? But we think Exodus 24... Like we read earlier in the service, when, when Moses ascended up on the mountain, also with three, interesting, also with three names, companions. There were others there also. And what did they see? They saw the glory of God. Yeah. Then Moses and Joshua went up a little further, and what happened? What happened? And read it here. What happened here? What happened in Exodus, there in, in, in Exodus 24, we see it. But when they ascended there, a cloud covered the mountain. Well, a cloud covered this, right, here in Mark 9. A cloud covered the mountain there with Moses and the glory of God. It says there in Exodus 24 that the glory of God settled on Mount Sinai. It was here God spoke to Moses. Hear that? There, well, God spoke in Mark 9. Moses told the people there God, Moses told the people what God spoke, didn't he? It It says that to us in Exodus 24. And what did they do? It said, we read it. They said it twice in Exodus 24. We read it earlier in the service. What did they do? Well, they promised, the, the Lord spoke to Moses, right? And they promised to obey. And it says in verse 17 of Exodus 24 that the appearance of the Lord's glory was like a consuming fire. This glory is dangerously accessible. Think about that. Hebrews 1, 3 says... The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So he became superior to the angels just as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. This glory, this glory seen in Christ... This radiance, this righteousness is, is now completely accessible church for you, for us. Is there somebody here who hasn't, who hasn't accessed that? Well, you know what? It's free. You can access it by turning yourself in and turning yourself over to Jesus Christ. Notice the Israelites and Moses respond to the vision of the glory there on the mountain, right? Notice their response to the vision. of of seeing the glory and hearing the word spoken, Moses there as God's spokesperson, okay, sharing with the Israelites, and what does it say they did? At least for a time, they listened and obeyed. Right? And they said they were going to do that twice. Verse 7 in Mark 9, God reveals his glory again. As it says there, we see the parallels a cloud overshadowing the mountain. And here Jesus is, and a voice came from the cloud. And what did it say? As Jesus is standing there, this is my beloved Son. Listen to him. Listen to him. The glory accessible ushers in a quick and glad obedience. May we see the radiance and glory of Christ this morning cause us to be quick in our response. Like the baptism of Jesus, we see some similarities there as well. It's amazing, but there is a a simple difference there at the baptism. God speaks, this is my son Right, the baptism of Jesus, but he's he's speaking it to Jesus in in order to affirm and encourage Jesus. Here, he's telling us the disciple, and and, well, specifically the disciples then, and we hear it now. He's he's telling us, "Hey, this is." He's pointing at. At Jesus. He's pointing at the glory. He's pointing at the radiance of the exact representation of his being. God is, God the Father from heaven, is pointing at Jesus. These disciples are standing there and he's pointing at them. Okay, you hear his voice from heaven at least. And so in his words, he's pointing and he's saying, This is my beloved son, church. Listen to him. This is the glory, the radiance. The bright future hope, the mystery, the secret is now being proclaimed from the heavens. The glory of God accessible. And then finally, and then finally, in verse 12 and 13, we see he makes the glory of God accessible by his descent. He talks about his suffering. We see the comparison with Elijah. These are things we don't have time to get into. But we see the glory of God is accessible in the descent. Are we okay with that? The glory of God, that's a, ugh, that's a hard one, man. The glory of God is accessible in the descent. He models that for us in his suffering in the cross. And it says there, like Elijah, verse 13, allowing, he allowed them to treat him however they pleased. Ah, that's going too far. Well, no, it's not. Not if you're in Christ. Because he helps you get what is natural, which is to say, no, thank you to the, I'm going to let them do whatever they pleased, and and to suffer for the, and all that. He, he, He helps you abandon what is natural for the greater kingdom of God through the person of Christ. He gives us the strength and the ability to do that. They get a glimpse of the power and glory before the resurrection, the disciples do. They get a glimpse of it right here at the, mount, at the, at the transfiguration. So before the ascension even, they get a glimpse here at the transfiguration. And so, church, in closing, the cost of discipleship has been emphasized. So understand, if you're following him, understand that those who follow Jesus, we've got to understand that we have a high calling. In this world, right, we are disciples under pressure. We are not, right? Well, Let's say that we will have victory. We will have defeats. There will be pressures. We will. You will be tired. You will work and not rest. You hear that? You will work. If you're in that kingdom, you're going, guess what he did? You will work and not rest. Look at Paul. Right? Your body will be weakened. Eventually, you will die. But the glory is in the cross. The glory is in this cross that you carry, that you've been called to carry in Christ. The glory is in coming in low so Jesus may come in high. And a day will come when ultimate victory will be won. Amen? Lord, help us. Help us. Help us to embrace these truths with boldness, excitement, and help us to be encouraged this morning with the beauty of his gospel and the power of the promises, right, that are real and true and reliable that he delivers to us in his word. Thank you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. What an amazing event. You being transfigured there in front of your disciples. How you, display, how you displayed to them and made clear to them, even though they still struggled. And we should not wonder how they struggled, for we struggle today, and we have even further proof than they at that moment. God, that you are divine, Jesus. God, we thank you for sending Christ. We thank you for the beauty and the glory of the cross. And we ask this morning that we would, that we would be encouraged. That we would be encouraged by your gospel truth. That your spirit would impart to us a, a sustainability... That goes beyond anything in this life. And that that would be evident. That light that we're carrying, that is your gospel light, that is representing your kingdom purposes and agenda, Lord, that 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 light would be evidence in this place. That we would take on character and works that are consistent with the beauty and the glory and the righteousness of your gospel. And Lord, as a result of that, may we be able to encourage and be encouraged in this walk together. And may we, God, in the power of the Spirit, and, and we ask that you would uh, infect our hearts so that we are careful to encourage one another with these truths. In Jesus' name, amen.